Hey y'all, this is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Martin Popoff here back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased as always to be part of this always expanding Pantheon Podcast network of uh, great music swamis doing music podcasts. We're available on Spotify, iTunes and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. So this is episode 148 I'm calling this the first great productions. Uh, this is one of those that I've always had debates with people about uh, production on albums all through the years. You know, talked about dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of albums. Um, but uh, I, w- I just recently went on uh, Ralph Vieira's Almost Human um, YouTube channel, and we were talking about my Uriah Heap coffee table book, A Visual Biography. Um, and... I got very passionate about uh, the heap production situation in the early days, and it and it made me think. I haven't actually done this episode on what are some of the great early productions, and I figured I'd outline them and I'd come up with some examples that look at a few different things and qualify certain things and disqualify certain things. And I also like the fact that this was a nice history episode. This really fits into again. I've, I guess I've been doing pretty good on that lately. We did the mod thing, the pub rock thing. Um, so we've been covering a lot of cool history. But so this is the idea that when did you hear those uh, those first albums? Here here's the here's the actual rule on this, and I'm I'm not going to mention the one that I always talk about. You've probably heard me talk about it before. That really makes me think this. But the idea here is that uh, when where when did you hear a record where you thought? You can't get better production than this. You can only get different production than this. That's sort of the idea. When when did you get to a point where a record was going to sound perfect? You know, decades and decades later, uh, you you really you really can't think of anything else you could do with it to make it sound better. But you could you could take apart all the disparate elements: the drum sound, the keyboard sound, where the vocals fit in the mix how distorted the guitar is or clean or how big the guitar is or or play with the bass drum sound or how sizzly are the cymbals uh you could you could come up with different things about it so that's that's kind of the key thing here and this is why we're going to disqualify uh certain things uh, along the way um but yeah, uh, let's let's take a listen to our first one here. Okay, well, actually, first I want to mention this. Um, what what you're gonna hear is a mix of prog and hard rock and heavy metal in here. And there's a there's a specific year thing that everything fell into. I'm gonna put everything chronological as well. But I did do a little research and looked up some lists on the internet of what people thought early great productions were. And you 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 spot a lot of jazz. And I, I think you have to disqualify certain things. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say three departments here. 
One is jazz because I think jazz is pretty easy to record. A second thing that's pretty easy to record is quiet music, uh, specifically acoustic guitar. Acoustic guitar is easy to make sound good. Jimmy Page is a good example of that. Uh, there's no Led Zeppelin in my list here because I don't think any of the Led Zeppelin albums sound particularly good until, you know, objectively speaking, I'm, I'm this, there's a big difference between objective and subjective in all this. Objectively speaking, up until all the way up to in through the outdoor. Um, but so so Jimmy Page uh, has always done a good job of recording acoustic guitar, but I think it kind of falls down. I like don't get me wrong, people love the Zeppelin productions and they're they're hotly debated. Uh you know, you it's almost like a love it or hate it thing. And does John Bonham have a big drum sound? A lot of people say so. I'm not so I'm not so sure that it's particularly a big drum sound. It's a it's a boxy and it's an echoey drum sound, uh, you know, recording in the stairwell and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if it sounds particularly big. I don't think you get a, a, a big bassy thump out of the bass drum on any of those Led Zeppelin albums. Um, you know, I, I actually, for this episode, I, I took a good look at Led Zeppelin 2. Uh, it was one that was kind of in the running because I thought, you know, late 1969, I better check this out. And it's pretty darn good for late 1969. But I ruled it out uh, because we're going to start a little later than that in here. Um, okay, the last one I want to mention in terms of disqualification. I asked a couple of buddies and... Um, both Peter Kerr and Jamie Laszlo uh, brought up the Beatles, and I knew I knew they would, or I knew somebody would. Um, but the Beatles is something that comes to mind where people talk about production. But I think what you get with the Beatles more than anything, I don't think you get particularly great full-range, full-body production that sounds like modern production or modern production choices or as good as you, as you could do these days if you were going to try to do an analog production. I know that's a mouthful, but I think what the Beatles are remembered for and why they always come up in this argument uh, first because they did a lot of things first. Um, that's that's one reason. Because uh, Beatles, so Beatles always come to mind first. Uh, but they come to mind first also because they did a lot of cool gizmo-y and, and novelty type things with production first. And that's why people think of them. So this is not about, this is not about bells and whistles particularly. This is about having everything sound amazing uh, in, in the mix. And so again, in that department, I wanted to go with busier music, heavier music, because I think that kind of music, there's more of a challenge uh, to getting good sounds rather than, you know, even even a, uh, a guitar, bass, uh, uh, bass, drums, vocals, and say acoustic guitar or clean guitar. That's all pretty easy to do or a simple arrangement. That's also pretty easy to do. So let's get started. Uh, that's quite a preamble. This is my first uh, choice. This is my choice for first great production ever. Um, and again, uh, you know, to give it away, it comes from my discussion with Ralph a couple of days ago. Take a listen to this. This is Uriah Heep with Tears in My Eyes.
All right. So I love this. I love the way that big, those big clanging chords announce. Wow, this is a good sounding record. This is your I Heap's third record. So they've already got your I Heap, your I Heap are very heavy, very humble. They've already got Salisbury, which doesn't sound too particularly good. Um, I almost went with Gypsy here because Gypsy sounds pretty darn amazing. But the rest of the record, you could you could tell maybe Gypsy's a little bit of a fluke. Um the production varies a little bit on that. I mean, that's a 1970 record, but this is from Look at Yourself, which came out September 1971. And I think everything sounds fantastic in here. That the 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 um guitar, uh, the guitar uh, keyboards alloy. The drums sound big and bright and bold. It's got huge bottom end. David Byron sits in there in the in the mix. Everything sounds exciting. And you know what? I'm going to stop talking about it here because there's a comparison I need to make and which I did on Ralph's show as well um, with a later one that we're going to pick here. So I don't want to say too much more uh, in terms of a comparison, but I just want to laud um, your eye heat for how amazing the production is. This is Jerry Braun with Braun's Records, right? He doesn't get a lot of credit, um, but this is Jerry and the band, frankly, working together. They're pretty smart guys uh, coming up with this great, great sound uh, all across Look at Yourself. Now, it's funny. Uh, I think it, it may fall down a tiny, tiny bit across Demons and Wizards and Magician's Birthday. Uh, but when you get to Sweet Freedom, we're still in 1973, that record sounds huge and powerful as well. So Your Eye Heap really deserves a lot of credit here. Again, for, for the Look at Yourself full album, for the Sweet Freedom full album, and, and for points along an, um, an earlier album, Your Eye Heap, Your Eye Heap, or Very Evie, Very Humble. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, let's take a listen to our second selection. This is Genesis with Harold the Barrel. Okay, so the theme here is Prague. I took a good think and a good listen to the likes of um, Jethro Tull, ELP, King Crimson, and Yes. And I basically came up with the idea that I think Genesis did the best job of having good production. Yes was very close in this. I almost went with the Yes album. I think um, uh, Tim Derling, I asked Tim, and Tim brought up the Yes album, which I thought was hilarious because basically he came up with the first two things he came up with were two things already on my list. Um, but he came up with the Yes album and I took a good listen to Fragile. I keyed in on Fragile of, of these early albums that fit in in this year range. Definitely not the first two. Uh, and, and they came close, but I wanted to put Genesis in here because I think Genesis has more of a challenge and I, and I wanted to find something where there was at least a little bit of guitar. So this is from Nursery Crime, November 12th, 1971 so very early again this is this is really just a couple months after the heap um i think genesis has an easier job of it than heap i think prog has an easier job of it than heavy metal um 
but they they have great sound on this and frankly trespass october 70 has pretty darn good sound too foxtrot has amazing sound october 72 so this is why i wanted to reward genesis with a spot here on uh history and five songs with martin popoff the first great productions episode because um they proved that it was no fluke uh there is not a lot of variation i think they just do a really good job across all instruments they've got they've got keyboards vocals peter gabriel's vocals sit in there nicely when there is guitar um it it uh sits in there nicely and i think they get a good uh sound out of the drum sound as well so i i wanted to laud genesis for the idea of probably being the best prog band uh, when it comes to this and like i say prog i think is the second second trickiest kind of music uh to 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 put in here to to have great production uh all right this this episode of history and five songs with martin popoff is sponsored by better help without a healthy mind being truly happy and at peace is hard the good news is therapy works but what is therapy exactly it's whatever you want it to be maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work not dealing well with stress whatever you need it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help better help is a customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours join the millions of people who are now seeing what online therapy is really about it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset and special offer to history and five songs with martin popoff listeners you can get 10 percent off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs that's better h elp.com slash five songs thanks again to better help for sponsoring this episode okay let's move on to our third selection this is the one i wanted to compare to heap um take a listen to this this is deep purple with highway star Okay, uh, this is one that was a little wobbly. I almost didn't put Deep Purple in here because I wanted to not reward them because I don't think uh, any of those uh, Rod Evans, Nick Simper albums sound particularly good. I don't think In Rock has very good production. I don't think Fireball has very good production. And even Who Do We Think We Are, uh, good, bad. And then even into, uh, you know, Burn and Stormbringer and Come Taste the Band. Come Taste the Band is probably the best production out of all of these besides Machine Head. Machine Head is their best sounding record of the uh, classic Mark II period, I would say. This is March 25th, 1972. You might be noticing here, and you're going to notice with the further one, that I'm, I'm kind of picking things with a certain speed and groove and pocket. And that's where you really hear the good production. Highway Star, I think, is... Uh, is uh, a beautifully produced song. The productions are are all slightly, slightly different across this album, uh, but this really shows it off well. Uh, but the comparison with Heap, I always maintain um, 
you know, I, I always kind of like stick up for Heap a little bit in that this whole idea, you know, how people accuse Heap of being a little bit of a, um, you know, a deep purple clone band, uh, you know, they're, they're in there doing the Hammond organ thing with the guitars and, and there's a similarity there. They're both, you know, quasi quasi progressive or, or fussy or smarty pants, metal of the early days, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, uh, and you know, they rehearsed down the hall from each other and all that kind of stuff. But I, I love that whole thing when Mick Box, you know, is, is quipped about Deep Purple and, and says, oh, you guys sound a lot like Deep Purple and Mick says, oh yeah, there's, there's one big difference. Uh, you know, um, they have one singer, we have five, that kind of thing. And that that's one of the cool things about them as well. And a, and a production challenge is getting those harmonies to sound as, as amazing as they do uh, in your eye heap. But I also think that um, Tears in My Eyes and What You Get on Look at Yourself and Sweet Freedom and Gypsy uh, is actually a better version of the, 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 uh, the big ham and, and guitar alloy sound than Deep Purple ever achieved. So I, I even put Machine Head below um those three things from heap uh but this is produced by deep purple of course famously uh you know martin birch is in there helping them out as an engineer he went on to be very distinguished um producer himself uh we lost him recently it's uh too too bad um yeah i um you know uh it's it's a sad loss for all of us he was a super nice guy um and i would email with him regularly and almost got that interview with him but we never we never kind of got around to it unfortunately uh but yeah so um so highway star this this is also a great sounding record and we are at march 25th 72 all right let's move on this is our next selection take a listen this is pink floyd with brain damage Okay, so I had to include this in here. This is the apocryphal uh, thing that makes me do an episode. I mean, obviously, I told you, you know, this was more or less prompted by, uh, you know, my discussion with Ralph about your eye heap. But um, I've always said many, many times uh, in the past that Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon is the first great production in terms of a record where everything sounds as high fidelity as music will ever sound forevermore. Now, again, this brings up a really good point. All along the evolution of production, people came up with all sorts of um, new sounds, things that were, were interesting and that weren't there before, but they were different. They weren't better. So that's kind of the idea here. Uh, the idea that um, everything is going to sound as good as it ever was going to sound um, once you got to Dark Side of the Moon, you know, this is famously, this is produced by the band, um, but Alan Parsons is a big, big part of this. He's he's an amazing engineer. He's he's coming up. He's still young here, but he's trying a lot of cool things. They even had Chris Thomas in as a mix supervisor because um, of the very, very strong opinions uh, of all four of the guys, but mainly David Gilmore and uh, and Roger Waters. In fact, they broke into a couple of camps about what everybody wanted in the mix. So they they have very strong opinions on production. They were all 
pretty pretty much gearheads. Um, so they they needed to have Chris Thomas come in and uh, and almost mediate and and be the guy, uh, the fall guy, uh, to come up with a mix um, to to keep the guys from fighting too much, essentially. Um, so yeah, between Alan Parsons, Chris Thomas, you know, coming in at the end, and I think he spent what did he say, something like ten days or something, uh, working on um, this mix situation, figuring it out. Um, now, one caveat I want to make uh, that that I felt that I learned through this exercise again, this idea of um, what is harder and what is easier, and and where are we where are we really seeing uh, you know uh, good production coming out of the difficulty of doing good production. I still believe that is in the hard rock realm, and. Um, and I went to Prague with Genesis and I feel like I'm almost going, um, and this again, like I just kind of learned this, this morning when putting this together, I think Pink Floyd also had it a little bit easy because it's quieter Prague than Genesis. Um, you know, yes, had it pretty difficult. They had a, they had an aggressive sound and they had uh, you know, guitar in there even more than Genesis, I would say. Um, but Pink Floyd, this is pretty quiet music, but what I like about this choice is that a, it is one of the first records everybody thinks about when they think of the first great productions. Um, again, a lot of people think about Beatles, but uh, uh, you know, part part of coming up with these firsts is always about how rough do you want to allow it, and and you know, rough means how far back do you want to go as well. So you could go back and back and back and and um, and point out you know great new production innovations or whatever. Um, but this is actually one of the albums that really comes to mind for a lot of people. It's a super super high fidelity album. We know it was like an an early CD and it was a mobile fidelity record and all that. And it's a it's a big stoner album. It's a headphone album. Um, but that's the point I wanted to make here. I think what you get in Pink Floyd, uh, you know, working working at Abbey Road and Alan Parsons had worked with uh, the Beatles before. Um, but I think what you get a little bit with Pink Floyd that's a little interesting is uh, the great use of novelty and gizmos and spoken word and sound effects and all that. So I think you get uh, a band really... Um, massaging that stuff in beautifully into a standard guitar, bass, and drums and vocals situation. They also have quite a challenging thing with doubling of vocals and harmony vocals going on as well. But I, I must admit that um, they don't have a lot of challenge when it comes to, you know, the arrangements besides these extra things put on it the the actual what what everybody's playing put it not arrangements let's say performances are really really pretty simple um the drumming is famously one of the most simple drum type performances in all in all of rock i mean <laughs> you 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 could put uh you could put nick mason up there with uh easiest job in rock along with the uh, you know phil rudd uh ACDC, uh, what else? Ramones. Well, Ramones is actually kind of tough because it's it's uh, you have to be very fast on the hi hat. Ask Marky Ramone about that one. Um, but um, but yeah. So so and and David Gilmore as well. I don't think his guitar is particularly hard to uh, get great production out of because he likes a very clean sound. Um, it's it's not it's not. It's not it's not particularly challenging, put it that way. So I, I kind of put this a little bit below the challenge that you get out of Genesis and yes with the with these great productions. Uh, but yes, had to put it in here. It is a landmark album in production. It's beautifully, beautifully recorded. Everything sounds great. And again, it's the record I always have pointed out uh, as uh, after this, you know, there's there's before Dark Side of the Moon and there's after Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, 
Dark Side of the Moon, to me, um, represents the album where anything you you could think of to make sound good uh, was being able to be achieved with technology and all technology moving forward, again, will give us different sounds, but you'll never hear a better sounding record ever again after, um, what is this, March 1st, 1973. All right, let's move on to our last selection here uh, in episode uh, 148, The First Great Productions. Take a listen to this. This is Montrose with Space Station number 5. So now we're up into October 17th, 1973, and an unknown uh, Warner Brothers dude, uh, Ted Templeman, uh, is in here producing uh, Montrose, of course, famously. I think I did a whole episode on the comparison between Montrose and Van Halen, so we won't get into that, but this is kind of the template for Van Halen 1 uh, five years later. Um, but this is a very, uh, I, I've called this the first American heavy metal album. Uh, it's a beautiful sounding record for October 17th, 73. It's amazing that it's a baby band. Um, but as you can hear, um, again, I thought this was kind of funny. Space Station number five is a little bit in the same speed range as uh, as Highway Star. Um, so, it, so it fits that sort of parameter where you can hear the openness of the groove and how beautiful Denny's drums sound. Um, and I don't think you hear that as much on some of the other songs on this album but what you get on this album is a bright exciting sound again it reminds me a little bit of look at yourself uh the guitars are super sizzly and uh, and electrocuted you know sammy's vocals are powerful they sound great in the mix um there's a lot of bass coming out of the electric you know bill church in here um and uh and basically everything sounds really really good and high fidelity and again, they're doing it within a music that I think is the most challenging music, uh, you know, proto heavy metal, heavy metal, hard rock, whatever you want to call it. Um, so and and also it's funny. This is the other one that uh, that Tim Derling, when I asked him this question, he said, oh, Montrose, Montrose. So so, you know, great minds think alike. Right. So the the whole idea is this is also one that a lot of people think of. And it's it's pretty good that it's a it's an American album. Um, so those are the five. And I, I just wanted to mention. Um, not exactly honorable mentions, but I, I wanted to say that this exercise was much easier than you might think because I have a long list of bands here I want to mention that don't really have very good productions going even years later than this. Um, I think of Kiss. Kiss is an interesting case where I don't think any of those records sound particularly, particularly great, except oddly enough, Dressed, Dressed to Kill. So right in there in 1975, third album, they get a pretty good sound. Famously, Hotter Than Hell um, is uh, is a very weird production. And uh, and I love that. Uh, who brought it up? Um, somebody, it might have been, uh, oh, now I can't remember. I, I apologize. But we just did a, we just did a Contrarians panel on Born Again, and somebody compared maybe it was joe backed was it you joe um the the comparison between the born again production and the hotter in hell production i thought that was a great comment um but uh but it's funny i i think dress to kill is the most high fidelity album in there and they don't really have a high fidelity albums 
really very much throughout the catalog until you get much, much later. Uh, I think Revenge is a really good sounding record, but now we're up into 1992, so it's kind of pointless. But, you know, Aerosmith, um, first album doesn't sound very good. Second album, better, pretty good. The second album, Get Your Wings, I always liken a little bit to uh, the first Ted Nugent solo album, 75 Ted Nugent, um, which I think both have very... Adequate productions, solid, good, sober productions, but not super exciting and, and also were, were later in time. But, you know, I don't think Toys in the Attic is particularly amazing. I think Rocks is absolutely amazing. When you hear Sick as a Dog open up where they massage in those acoustic guitars over the big band, that is a beautiful, beautiful sounding record. But again, we're up into 1976, so it doesn't really qualify. Zeppelin, I don't want to go into that all over again, but again, I don't feel like there's anything there that's going to compare here. Black Sabbath's an interesting case. They've got some productions, again, where you go over into the subjective. Volume 4. Um... Master of Reality, amazing, really cool productions, but they're a little weird. So I'm so I'm I'm staying away from the objective and saying everything sounds great to everybody's ears, kind of thing. It's just those are amazing productions that I happen to love, but maybe other people wouldn't like them so much. I think the first album's pretty darn good. A Paranoid, I think, falls down a little bit, but I think the first album's pretty good for 1970. Um, and then really Sabbath Buddy Sabbath and Sabotage are a little bit, you know, a little bit old sounding, I'd say. Um, and then Technical Ecstasy is an amazing production again. And then Famously Never Say Die is uh, one of the worst productions, uh, as they say. But Thin Lizzy, I don't think had particularly great productions all through this period where they could have qualified for this. I think really uh, their first amazing, amazing, amazing sounding record is Black Rose, 1979. Uh, um, Blue Oyster Cult. I've famously said that Mirrors is one of their only good sounding albums until the modern era. Um, you know, you can debate me on uh, on the songs being too commercial or all that kind of stuff. But I think uh, that has is a very high fidelity strap on your headphones kind of album. Um, Judas Priest is a funny one. They aren't even around in this period, but uh, but yeah, their productions are kind of like odd and idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic and and you either love them or hate them, but but we're again moving into the subjective rather than the, than the objective. Um, Rolling Stones, I checked for this. I, I took a good darn listen to Exile in Main Street, and I I decided that again I don't think. There's a lot of challenge to getting a good sound out of the Stones, given the kind of arrangements and the and the tones they go for, specifically Keith. So that was pretty easy. Uh, Alice Cooper is another one where I've always complained about the production of all of those records. I don't think he has a particularly good sounding record all the way up until his first solo album, Welcome to My Nightmare. And The Who is a, is a funny one this way as well. They have such a strange sound. Um, it's an interesting production subjectively i like it but objectively i don't think it's a it's a super high fidelity sound um especially on keith's toms um you know pete has a lot of weird guitar sounds that he likes not not a particularly big distorted sound so a lot of it's clean so that's not hard to get either john entwistle there's some interesting bass stuff there but again i'm on this episode the theme really is high fidelity bassy analog bass um, so, so when you get these odd bass sounds that are subjectively great, um, that's not what we're talking about in this episode. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that is our, that is our look. Um, 
at this. Let us know what you think. We've got the active Facebook page, of course, uh, for for any of this stuff. But again, this was not very hard. Um, even in the prog realm, ELP, um, King Crimson, just kind of weird. Um, not exactly in the in this realm of just objectively great great sounds. And that's again why why I picked Genesis here. Um, if you like this episode and want to show uh, support for future episodes, please go to Kofi. Rhymes with no fee apparently at co uh, fee.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. Um, this week I would like to thank uh, Bruce Campbell, Carl Kennedy, the Rock. Odds. Um, thanks for that, Carl. Still making music. Great guy. Um, you know, he's the producer of Fistful of Metal and Spreading the Disease. People forget that. Um, that's very, very cool thing to have uh, on your resume. Uh, Simon Cole, uh, James Farquhar, David Fisher, Ryan Gavalier, Peter Kerr. Uh, check out his Rock Daydream Nation YouTube channel. Um, very cool. Um, Augustine Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, Patrick Stevens, Colston Veer and Daniel Wagner. Thank you all very much. Um, and of course, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Uh, anything that there's PayPal buttons there, uh, I should have in stock. I sign them, send send them all out from here. The deal was sold very well. I'm down to about a third of uh, of what I had originally printed of the deal book. So that's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think. Uh, I'm going to move on and do the second half deal one. Second half things never sell as good as the first half ones, but uh, it would be nice to complete that circuit and get that uh, get that done so we have a nice tidy two book set of the deal. Um so there you go. Um if I can send you away with an assignment at all, go go play that look at yourself album and uh you know, tell me if you don't think that is the first great sounding heavy metal record. Thank you very much. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology.